duality, a notion essential to psychology. We all contain a multitude of personas and change proverbial masks to match our present situations. The body is the container for this legion within, allowing us to maintain the important illusion of a singular self, the very basis of human experience. In noon, there lies both the innocent child and the disturbed traveller. Both fight for control. But what happens when the duality is not only in the mind? Two breaths. Why could I hear him breathing? Why could I feel them breathing? My body was... Given her vanishings, I fear it is not only her inner self which has become subject to division, but her body as well. One child, torn between two worlds. Either I have lost my marbles, or we tread ever deeper into territories beyond the boundaries of rational thought. You're listening to The Sounds of Nightmares, an audio fiction series from the world of Little Nightmares. place? The reunion room. Is that cake they're eating? May I have some? Can I go in there? I'm sorry. You may only watch. My colleagues don't allow inpatients to mingle without patients. Those who are ready to go home to their families, I mean. Sit tight and I'll get you some cake. Get me a piece of cake, please. A piece of cake. Get me a piece of cake. There. A fine chocolatey slice. They're not waving back. Ah, it's a two-way mirror. We can observe them, but they can't observe us. I'd uh, like to ask about last night. Last night? You were in bed with the brain activity monitor on. One moment you were there, and the next, gone. Where did you go? I don't understand. I watched you myself, so I know you didn't get up and leave the room. Wasn't I asleep? I don't recall any of this. 
You vanished, Noon. Huh? I, I thought I might have been mistaken at first, but the EEG readings persisted, as if you were still there. Several minutes lapsed, then you reappeared. That makes no sense. And this wasn't an isolated event. What do you mean? I can't just... People don't just disappear. You're supposed to help me. You're supposed to understand. And yet neither of us do. It's a major development, a bona fide anomaly. That's why we must be sure that... Is this some kind of trick? It's all right. Look at me. Focus on my eyes. Breathe. No, slowly. Breathe. Two, three. Hold. Two, three. Out. Two, three. That's it. That's a girl. Better? Why did you take me here, Otto? I know solitude can be hard, and visualization is essential to developing beliefs. It's being alone, I hate. It's being lonely. And I'm showing that one day you'll be in the reunion room too. Just as relieved as those children, sharing cake rather than eating it by yourself. But you have to trust my process, even when it's difficult for you to grasp. I understand more than you think. Yes. I suspect so too. Hidden somewhere in your head. Come along. We've got preparations to make before tonight's session. Can we stay here? A minute longer? All right, just until you finish that slice. So many wires. They're everywhere. It's the same EEG machine I use to monitor your sleeping brain. Only now I'd like to acquire readings during wakefulness, during your retelling, to compare results. My last doctor made me do things like this all the time. Tubes into my stomach. I don't much like being awake for tests and proddings. These electrodes may feel strange on your scalp, but there's no pain. Nothing to worry about. If anxiety rears its head, take deep breaths. Same as earlier, yes? I'm not sure. Trust, remember? <laughs> not so bad, is it? Can we get this over with? Of course. Begin as you like. I spun out of a dark place, and brilliant lights sparkled around. Then far-off laughter and screams, but screams of joy. Gathering my head, I, I saw other kids sitting on wooden crates nearby. As I approached, they were surprised to see me, but introduced themselves one by one. They were performers, they said, each with different skills and talents. Juggling, fire breathing, trapeze something. Trapeze? Trapeze. That's what he said. The boy called Rusty, he, he walked tightrope too. There were caravans all around. Wooden ones, big yellow wheels, 
and all these colourful fabrics. I noticed the lights again, fairy lights, shining down into the puddles from the rain that cleared before I'd arrived. Their reflection, swirling in the murky water, like a ballet. It was beautiful. As I lost focus, the others went on talking, fast and loud as teenagers do. Teenagers? And how long have they been there, performing in this place? Please, Otto, let me get through it. From the way they looked, they'd been there a long time. But they were confident, or tried to be, and kind. As the clouds parted, Rusty asked if I wanted to go on a ride. He said it was the best one because it let you see clearly. So I said yes, feeling a part of their gang. I'd never had that before. We passed by games and silly booths until we came to the giant wheel. We climbed into the seats in pairs, me and Rusty taking the last car. It went so high up that I could see the whole carnival. It was unnaturally high, like, like we were in the sky itself. Rusty pointed to these tall wooden poles, like masts on a ship, as if that answered where we were. But how could a ship be in the air? Rusty saw my face full of questions and said, Look down, not out. Look down, not out. We won't feel sick that way, and we haven't much time. I... I remember feeling, for a moment, things were okay. On the giant wheel, for the first time in such a long time, I... I felt happy. But Rusty, he suddenly seemed so sad. His voice shifted, and he continued, That massive massive tent there, that's that's the big big top. He said we'd be going there soon because him and his friends had a show to put on. I already knew the answer, but I asked anyway. You don't like performing, do you? He looked glum for a moment before replying, I hate it. When I asked why he does it, Rusty mumbled to himself, but I couldn't hear with the wind so loud. Finally, Rusty turned and said, They force us, and whatever they say goes. I didn't know who they were, but a bad feeling came over me, and I understood why we were really on that wheel. 
because all the way up there, he could say what was in his heart without worrying about being heard. As the wheel came around, he began explaining very fast how him and his friends had been planning. Rusty wanted me to be part of a special show where they would try something they'd never done before. He told me that my job was to be lookout, that if I saw a man in a purple suit, I needed to give him the sign while he walked the tightrope. I asked, is this the man who makes you put on shows? Without really answering, Rusty kept talking. In the spotlight, some glow, while others shrivel into shadows. We glow and do as told or... He didn't finish the thought, but I understood. The times I was on TV, I'd have done anything to avoid all those lights. So I said, a simple sign won't do. I'll have to shout. A code only will understand. How about Big Top? He agreed it was a good idea. And I realized he didn't tell me what they were planning, but... When I saw him staring out at the clouds, I asked, You mean to escape, don't you? The carnival? And he quickly said, This entire rotten world. Was the boy expressing knowledge of a world beyond this carnival? I hadn't thought about it until now, but I guess so. And I felt that too. That all the places you've been are one and the same? Sort of. It's like how this basement is connected to the upper floors, but don't work together. Why did you never express this before? What's so important? You sense that the dreams you visit hold a tangible, sustained existence? That these spaces are objective? Physically there? I, uh, I think so. I don't know how it works, but it feels that way, yes. Do you finally believe me? Giving the mere thought validity would have my license revoked. Yet I admit there's potential that what you say is true. It offers some explanation of your spiriting away last night. I'd need to see it for myself. See it yourself? You're supposed to help me avoid going there. I need to reach it with you. To find that quiddity of consciousness we spoke of. Why would you want that? How can I trust you if you don't answer my questions sometimes? It isn't fair. I... I lost someone dear to me. You understand? A long time ago. Part of me believes that they may be there. So that's the reason you're so fascinated by me, isn't it? That's why you have me do all these tests and experiments to find them. Now you're the one being unfair. Well, you can't even get there. Why not? 
It's nowhere. Nowhere? What do you mean? It's a place that is and isn't. Did the boy, Rusty, say that? The Candleman? Neither. I can't help you if you hide things from me. I tell you everything. You know what's in my brain more than I do. These things on my head. Breathe, Nora. are done, we must press on. I want to stop. The sooner you finish, the sooner we'll be free. We went to the big top. Rusty and the others got all dressed up in amazing costumes. Black and white with sparkles. And another in a fancy red coat. Rusty led me round to the towering stage, placing me in the front, saying, Best seats in the house. I felt so special until Rusty looked around with that worried face again. Without another word, he went backstage as the crowd started pouring in. These people were the wrong shape. Faces like bad drawings come alive. One sat down in the seat to my left, eating a candy apple. It, it stank horribly and the center was mushy and raw. These plump bodies filled the seats. Too big for them, crushing and spilling into one another. At the same time, stuffing their faces with rancid snacks, all grisly and chewy. I thought to throw up, but as the lights dropped, Everything went still. Then, a spotlight illuminated the stage, and the kid in the red coat walked to the middle. He put on amazing magic tricks that almost made me forget where I was. For his final trick, he waved around a swirling cloak, smoke spilling out and topped off with a bang. When the cloak dropped, he had disappeared, and in his place were two different kids. They had sticks near their mouths, blowing fire. That did it for the crowd. Then I remembered I was playing lookout, but I saw no man in a purple suit. And I was distracted as the fire breathers finished and junglers came on. They took the flaming sticks from their friends and threw them so high in the air. I, I found myself cheering with the crowd. 
And then the lights went down again, marking the final act. The spotlight blared again, shining at the top of the tent, way up, standing at one end of a rope between two ladders. It was rusty. The others stopped, staring in complete quiet. He started walking, slowly, then with more confidence. Oh, the silence went on too long, like we were all under a spell. And that's when I noticed something beside me in the seat that had been empty a moment ago. The man in the purple suit. I heard him before I saw him. Two breaths. Why could I hear him breathing? Why could I feel them breathing? My body was shaking, but his attention was on Rusty. Noticing that I wasn't cheering, the man turned. He had no eyes, but I felt him look at me. How can someone with no eyes look at you? Then, I saw a smaller man in his lap. A dummy, only he wasn't made of wood or plastic and had hair atop a lumpy face where a wider mouth had been carved out. Unlike the man, the puppet had eyes staring at the spotlight above. Suddenly, the crowd burst into a cheer as Rusty reached the middle of the rope. But the dummy's face crinkled, full of hate, wanting those cheers for himself. I was the only one not clapping, and he turned to face me. I'm not sure if they spoke or if it was in my head, but with a smile, they invited me to be part of the show. That's when I shouted, Big Top! Big Top! But the crowd was booming. Rusty made it across the rope, but... But instead of climbing down the ladder, he began climbing towards a small cut in the fabric at the top of the tent. I turned back, and the man was still there, limp. But his dummy... His dummy was... gone. Right near... Rusty! Big top! I tried to scream, tearing my throat, but... I had no breath. And then... I saw the dummy lumpy face peering out from the shadows at the top of the tent waiting for Rusty the man beside me grew shy both loving the praise and regretting the attention I could hear it breathing again twin breaths how to think I tried and tried to shout but it was too late Rusty was finally out of the spotlight and the tiny doorman lunged and Rusty, Rusty Did he escape? Did he manage? Get this thing off my head! Was Rusty able to get away? No, I don't like it! Rusty! Okay, okay, okay. Alright, alright. Deep breath. Deep breath. Follow me. Listen. One. Big dog! Slow down, slow down, slow down. Breathe. Rusty! Two! Two! Big dog! Big dog! 
Mercifully, the only irreparable damage this evening was the wound cut in Noon's confidence towards me. What concerns me more is the lack of detail in her retelling. A step backwards, which may be the result of her preoccupation with the testing equipment. Her body dysmorphia was exacerbated. That celebrity doctor's to blame, whatever he put her through. And all those poor children. But it's causing her to become furtive. I've exhumed the journals published by my outer circle of colleagues, with whom I'd lost touch. While I previously entertained the possibility of a multitude of realms, a singular space seems more probable and in line with their transcendental musings. While their studies are conjecture, I can no longer deny the empirical signs pointing towards such peripheral existence. Why then are my senses unable to perceive it whatsoever? There's a veil up. Ha, yes, like a two-way mirror. Only I'm the one stuck on the side of blind, deaf and dumb ignorance. And the lurking presence of the ferryman. While he may be a master of dream manipulation, he's no denizen here. Noon said it many sessions ago. He does not belong in our world. And yet he is the connective tissue I am determined to find his arcane hinterland, to cross into the place she calls Nowhere. Just listened to the fourth episode of The Sounds of Nightmares. This episode was written by Supermassive Games and Lonnie Nadler. Our showrunner is Lonnie Nadler, and the series is directed by Thomas Hoses. Noon is played by Amy Pursehouse, and Otto by Kester Lovelace. Music created by Tobias Livia and Thomas Roses. Production supervised by Alizé Debar and Lucille Rousseau-Garcia. This series is based on Little Nightmares from Bandai Namco Europe.